Want to get the edge with your Premier League betting predictions? Pinnacle have teamed up with InfoGoal to delve deeper into the data for all the Premier League matches each game week. You combine betting market data with InfoGoal's performance data to try and find Pinnacle customers' value in the odds. This is EPL Insights. It's a quick turnaround, but we're back. It's EPL Insights with data provided by InfoGoal. For game week 34 in the Premier League, Gareth Wheeler, Andrew Beasley with you. Our heads are spinning. We're going to try to keep this tight, provide you our picks, our always top-notch analysis, and we're coming off a very good midweek as well, Andrew. So I feel like we're in rhythm, and we can just pick up where we left off. Yeah, absolutely. Let's just carry on. We, As you say, we had a pretty good midweek. Um, I think you maybe did slightly better than me, but I think we both had quite a few successful picks. So that was uh, very enjoyable and uh, great to get a few on the board. Uh, it was a great Wednesday. The start a little bit slow, the end yeah, kind of the same thing, but right in the middle, the heart of the sandwich is where the good stuff was on Wednesday, including Manchester City's 4-1 victory over Arsenal. The future's odds now on Pinnacle to go on and win the title City at minus 1400, Arsenal at plus 800. Um, I think you said it. I think it was a direct quote that you couldn't really find reason for positivity around Arsenal heading into that game. You were spot on. It was 4-1. Could have been even bigger than that. A golfing class was on display at the Etihad, if we're going to be honest, Andrew. And we said this weeks ago, if you're going to back City, the time was three weeks ago. Of course, now it just seems way too far out. Uh, There's no chance City can stumble here coming coming home, can they? I mean, this was their coronation on Wednesday, wasn't it? Yes, I think so. I mean, you know, we spoke, we thought, you know, Manchester City would probably win, but I think it was even more one-sided than I expected. I mean, Arsenal recorded their lowest XG of the season. I know they scored a goal, but they barely laid the glove on City, really. I mean, City scored four goals and missed two big chances. Could have easily been more. Uh, The game almost sort of petered out, really, because it was done relatively early on. Um, So, yeah, I think think it's done. I, I can't see any bumps in the road now. I mean, it... I'm not sure I can see Arsenal winning, you know, all their remaining games, even if we take that as as a necessary requirement. So um, they'd need that and City stumbling, and I just can't see it now. If if you think City will stumble, you can still get onside with Arsenal plus eight hundred. That is there on Pinnacle as well. We might be a step closer to figuring out or deciding on what the top four is going to be. Newcastle were great again at Goodison Park against Everton. United, I mean, the full three points. You might have thought it was a fait accompli. But now, you know, with the likes of Villa and Liverpool on good form, a 2-2 draw at uh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, is that good enough for Manchester United to close the book on top four contention? I think so, just about. I don't think they're going to slip up from here. I mean, I thought it was quite an interesting game. It was kind of a a sort of potted overview of the two-team season, really. I mean, you had strengths and weaknesses on both on display. We saw Tottenham start slowly. United score a couple of good goals, great sort of counter-attack style goal with Rashford. But then obviously you had Tottenham coming back in the second half as they've done quite a lot this season. And um, I think we spoke about it before, but United often conceding two or more when away against any of the top half teams. It happened once again. It still could have gone either way at the end. But um, yeah, I think we saw, as I say, sort of best and worst of both teams um, in the game. And I think, uh, yeah, I think United are fine for top four. It's it's a, it's a fine result when you're when you're only chasing fourth, you know, not going for the title, that sort of level of of points return. Then yeah, no, it's fine for them. And 
I guess Tottenham showed a bit of fight after um, obviously what happened at Newcastle last weekend. Um, but obviously, I think well, we'll get to the game at Liverpool. I think it's going to be very hard for them to get anything there. But we'll we'll obviously no talk kidding. about that in a minute. It, it was either Manchester United took their foot off the gas or simply ran out of gas. That was my worry heading into the game. That's why I didn't want to make a pick on who would actually go and pick up points in that match. It's just coming off the FA Cup. It was their 54th game of the season. And other than Man City, I mean, they played far and away more than anyone else in the Premier League. So I think it's just caught up to them a little bit. And at the bottom of the table, are, are we stuck on a bottom five? who are still in a relegation fight. Is there separation there? Because some significant plays midweek at the bottom of the table, Everton got absolutely destroyed. We just told you to, to Newcastle, not even for a surprise win over Brighton, who maybe had a little bit of a hangover from their day out at Wembley on Sunday. And Leeds and Leicester City cancelled each other out in a 1-1 draw, but Le- uh, Leicester City had two goals called back. The ball was in the back and had a great strike by Tillmans in the first half. And Vardy just a step offside from a, from securing a match winner. What, did we, what would have been a, like, a vital three points? Instead, you know, they share the points there and those two teams still in a whole lot of trouble as well. H- how are you looking at the bottom of the table, Andrew? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's three from five, as you say, probably um, Leeds United down. So then Forest, Leicester, Everton and Southampton. I think it's fair to say that, you know, Southampton have, have probably gone now because they're six points from safety with only five to go. I mean, that's two wins just to even get level. And then, you know, they've only won six all season. They probably need sort of four wins to stay up. I think that's I think that's very unlikely. So we can probably say they've gone. And then it's probably two from four um, for the other two spots. Obviously, Leeds and Leicester, as you say, Leicester had a couple of goals ruled out, but Bamford missed an incredible chance oh. right at the end. I mean, if, if Leeds go down and Leicester stay up, you know, you, you, you can't boil a season down to a single moment. But if that is the outcome, then then that's going to weigh heavy because there was a chance there for, for three points and uh, a chance to pull away, but it didn't happen. Um, and again, we'll get onto it shortly, but you've got Everton, Leicester um, on Monday night. I mean, you know, maybe not for the neutral, but I mean, it, you know, that's probably the biggest game of the match week, I think, just in terms of, of what's on the line there. So, um, yeah, that, that's a fascinating game. Um, but yeah, I think three from five. I think West Ham probably will be fine. I, I did say I thought they might beat Liverpool. Didn't happen. Um, but I think they've probably got enough and everyone from there upwards should be OK. But um, I guess the gap isn't that big. But yeah, I think I think it's probably four from 16th to 19th and uh, two of them will go. By the way, thanks for bringing up uh, that Bamford miss. Uh, I was on the over in that game. I think that you were as yeah. well, Andrew. I mean, between the Bamford miss and the goals rolled out, I can't believe it ended 1-1. I feel like that was the bad beat of the week. So thank you very much, Patrick Bamford. And who could forget, well, anyone that bear witness to Bournemouth's 1-0 victory at St. Mary's. I mean, just a dreadful game, but a, a big three points for Bournemouth and their fans don't care how they just care about how many and Bournemouth have to be just about safe now. So congratulations to them. And um, Gary O'Neill's done a great job with Bournemouth and we'll see if they can kick on and continue to pick up points this week. So let's dive right into our feature five and we'll go rapid fire for the remaining five this weekend. It's a little bit different because of all these midweek fixtures. Andrew, there's only three games on Saturday. 
it's a little bit of a bizarre one. So get most of your work done, your family life, what have you on Saturday so you can enjoy lots and lots of football on Sunday in a critical game at the bottom of the table in on Monday night football as well. But we'll start off with one of those um one of those matches on Saturday. It's Crystal Palace and West Ham United. The question is do either one of these sides need uh, need more points or how many more points I should say uh, to avoid the drop. Crystal Palace finally lost under Roy Hodgson. You were wondering if that was ever going to happen. 2-0 to Wolves. They're 12th place, but they're on 37 points. Uh, but they haven't scored in back-to-back games now after scoring five. I can't believe a Crystal Palace team scored five. It's the power. It's old man strength from Roy Hodgson. Um, Crystal Palace first to concede in seven of their last nine games. At home, decent, five, six, and five on the season. But just 14 goals scored. That's been a struggle all season long, scoring at home and 19 conceded. West Ham, I'm, I know Andrew's going to have something to say about this. A controversial 2-1 loss to Liverpool. Was it a handball? Was it a handball by Tiago inside the area? They actually had a goal called back. Jared Bowen just couldn't stay on side as well. Decent game, fairly competitive as well, even though Liverpool uh, quite dominant in terms of the XG battle in that game. David Moyes is saying his side just simply doesn't get respect. Not sure about that. You need to earn respect. 34 points, 15th place. Not great for West Ham, but they are five points above the drop. They played to over the two and a half total in four or five. Both teams to score has played in four or five. Away, just they're not picking up as many points as they should. Three, three, and nine. Only 12 goals scored, 20 conceded. But in terms of expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal, minus 1.1 is actually the fifth best in the Premier League, so not being rewarded for their efforts. Head-to-head, Palace won the reverse fixture 2-1. Crystal Palace hasn't had a clean sheet against West Ham, and get this, their last 17 meetings. West Ham, no clean sheet against Crystal Palace, and their last 11 meetings, there's goals in this fixture. They played to over the two and a half total in six of seven, and both teams to score has played in each and every one of their last 10 games. So is that where you're going here? Is it based upon history? Because recent track record this season, you look at these sides, Andrew, they're not free-flowing, you know, high-scoring sides, but the history would suggest that this fixture is one where goals in the over or both teams to score is the salient play. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, to sort of go back a step to what you said about, you know, how many more points do they need? I mean, Palace have got 37 points. I looked it up. There's only been four teams in the last 20 years that have gone down with 37 or more points. So you have to think based on that, that Palace are probably safe. West Ham on 34. That's a little bit more common. They'll probably want another three points. It feels like this is a game where West Ham could get those points as well. I mean, the the data says um, you should probably back West Ham to win. But I mentioned that again ahead of the Liverpool game in midweek. It's it's a play that I've I've used a few times this season. And whenever I do, I think they let me down. But um, when you look at their stats on, on InfoGoal, I mean, West Ham 34 goals from 47.2 expected. I mean, that tells the story of their season, really. that They've been better. Their performances have been better than the results would suggest. And they should have scored far more goals than they actually have. As you say, against Liverpool, might have had a penalty. I was actually surprised it wasn't given. Yeah, me too. Chance very narrowly offside, stuff like that. But um, no, I mean, you basically took the words out of my mouth of what you were saying. You know, both teams have scored in the last 11. Both teams have scored 10 goals in the last six games. So, you know, all right, Palace hit a bit of a dry spot, but they're they're generally doing okay, creating chances and things like that. So both teams to score at minus 101. That was going to be my suggestion for this game. 
Yeah, I'll go with the total, Andrew, over 2.25 at plus 105. It's a plus number, which is a pleasant surprise there. Um, so if it the game ends 1-1, which typically these these fixtures have, then it's just a half loss. Um, and I think it could actually go over that. West Ham's looked a lot better, a lot more confident in recent weeks. Uh, even against Liverpool, like they, they still looked a consistent threat, even though it didn't show in the XG total as well. And, and, and perhaps back-to-back weeks, it's not back to usual under Patrick Vieira for Crystal Palace. Perhaps it's just a bump in the road. You know, they played two defensive teams in the, over the course course of the last two weeks things might be a little bit more open in this one so i'm comfortable with that lower total to to make a full play um on that and let's hope that the trend continues between these two sides um so so what do you make west ham on 34 you think that 37 is the total that that you need to come about in order to, to to be safe in the premier league is that the number that you're circling andrew I mean, that was just based on sort of history, but I mean, I think that will be enough. I mean, if you look at the table, Leicester on 29, only five games left to go. Unless they're going to win three games to get to 38. I mean, possibly, but I think it's quite a big ask. So I think any team with 37 is probably safe. Bournemouth 36, I think we think they're safe. And West Ham, maybe three more points, something yeah. like that. So, you know, we, it's a sort of a cliche about the magical 40-point mark, but the reality is you get high 30s, mid to high 30s, and you're probably yeah. all right. I, I I heard 36 bandied about. I've, I've seemed a little bit low to me, 37, 38. I think that that's the number that you circle if you get to it. There's just the, the teams at the bottom. It's hard to see a path for them to pick up um, a, a lot of points here down the down the stretch. Also should mention uh, Wilfred Zaha back in the Crystal Palace team. Looks like he's going to be fully fit, good to go this weekend, which is um, a good sign for some goals potentially being scored at Selhurst Park this weekend. Uh, let's move on. It's Manchester United against Aston Villa from Old Trafford this weekend. A sneakily good game between a side where... No one's really been better in terms of their home form, at least from a defensive perspective in Manchester United, taking on really the informed side outside of Manchester City in Aston Villa in the Premier League. United coming off a 2-2 draw uh, against Spurs. There's now a six-point gap between them and Spurs and Villa, and United is two games in hand on both, and a seven-point gap on Liverpool with a game in hand. Even the Liverpool has a pretty easy schedule coming home. you got to win those games, but it's a decent schedule coming home for Liverpool. United simply couldn't put away the game against Spurs. Fernandez went off the bar. I mean, they had a 2.38 XG in that game. All of it had to have come really in the first half because it was a surprise they weren't up four or five. Spurs ended up coming away with a 2.53 XG in that game as United faded late. Um, Manchester United first to score in first half winner in five of their last seven games. They've only lost one game at home all season. It was the very first one against Brighton. They have the third most home points, but the only eight goals conceded at home is by far and away the best in the Premier League. For Aston Villa, another win, 1-0 over Fulham. Fulham just a .1 XG in that game. Defensively sound for Aston Villa. They're undefeated in their last 10, including eight wins. And they've been first to score in nine of 10. They're up to fifth place, like joint fifth place with Spurs is wild. Second on the form table over the last 10 games. Um, they beat United 
at Villa Park 3-1 after Unai Emery took over, but lost 4-2 to United in the EFL Cup at Old Trafford. 6-4-6 away from home. The sixth most away points, but minus 12 in terms of expected goal differential, according to InfoGoal, is the fifth worst in the Premier League. So punching above their weight at home. It's hard to bet against Aston Villa right now. It's hard to bet against Manchester United playing at home. Is it hard to make a bet on this fixture this week? It is, yeah. I mean, Villa, we were just talking about West Ham. Villa have basically been the anti-West Ham. It must be a sort of Claret and Blue thing because they're sixth (laughs) in the table, but they should be 11th based on um, expected goals on the InfraGoal table. I think what you find with Aston Villa, I was looking down their results, is that they've they've picked up results they didn't necessarily deserve according to the XG. But when they've lost, they've they've lost on the XG as well. So in other words, they haven't had any unlucky defeats, but they have had some lucky um wins and draws. So the luck's kind of flown in their in their direction more more often than not. Um, as you said, I mean, they've not lost any of their last three league meetings with United, although they lost in the, the cup, but they have had two extra days to prepare. They've got key men in form. Obviously, as we've said with United, they've they've had injuries and uh, 54 games is a a lot with with still more to come. Um, So I quite like the look of the double chance Villa or draw at plus 112. Um, I think Villa can get something uh, with the form they're in. Players like Ollie Watkins can probably cause problems for United's patched up defence. And uh, yeah, I don't think they'll necessarily win, but perhaps get a draw, as I say. So plus 112 on the double chance appeals to me. Yeah, I'll make a play on Villa here. I'm basically not to lose. It's a little bit different than yours. I'm just going to go with the straight up with the handicap at plus 0.75. So if they lose by a goal, it's a half loss. So a, a draw or a win would come through at minus 110. Um, seems a good play for me. They're in form. This United side, it looks like they're going to kind of limp to the to, to the finish line here, which might be good enough. Draws for them against teams like Spurs and Villa. That was the thing. You were disappointed if you're a United supporter that they didn't come away with a win on Wednesday. But the point against Spurs isn't a bad one, playing away from home. I kind of feel the same way here. With the games dwindling down for Aston Villa, the fact that United have a couple of games in hand, I think it draws a pretty good result, especially considering that Liverpool plays Spurs this week. So I, I can see this ending. I, I can see it ending in a draw. United just so difficult to beat at home. It's tough to make a play for Villa for an outright win just based upon United's form. But, you know, Lindelof and Shaw play center back again. How does that look? The depth of the team doesn't look quite there. Outside from Rashford, just lacking that reliable goal score. So let's go with Villa on the handicap at plus 0.75. Makes sense to you, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, I think they'll, they probably will get something. And uh, particularly if they, if they score first, I think with all the games in, in United's legs, it might be hard for them to come back to, uh, to get the win. So yeah, I think, I think we sort of agreed that Villa will get something on uh Saturday, Sunday, whichever day it is. It's not to be <laughs> uh, let's keep this rolling. Next up, it's Fulham and Manchester City. As Fulham are coming off a disappointing 1-0 loss at Aston Villa. Their worst XG in a game this season at just 0.1. No clean sheets in eight for Fulham. They played to over the two and a half total uh, in six of eight. They were a top 10 team at home at Craven and Cottage. They've been good. And Marco Silva deserves a lot of credit for a promoted side and 
how well they played at home. Seven, four, and five, 23 goals scored, 22 conceded, although they do have the third worst expected goals against 27.9 in 16 games, according to InfoGoal, that is at home. Manchester City, uh, coming off that resounding 4-1 victory over Arsenal, have put them in pole position to come away with the Premier League title. They're just two points behind Arsenal, but they have those two games in hand. Kevin De Bruyne on the theme of two, Scored twice in that game. So did Erling Holland, who scored way more than two goals this season. 33 in the Premier League. And he is an XG of 26.1. By comparison, Southampton, as a club, as a side, in all of their games uh, over the course of the, of the season, have an XG of 34.1. So Holland's just eight behind. One guy versus an entire side, which... Probably suggests why City are going to go on and win the title and Southampton are right at the bottom. City haven't lost in 16 games. They played to over the two and a half total uh, in eight of nine. Both teams have scored has played in five of seven and they've been the first to score in six of six. Nine, three and three away from home, but they have the best expected goal differential away at 16.8. The next best in the Premier League in terms of expected goal differential away from home is Brighton at 9.3. There's a significant gap there between City's form away and the rest of the Premier League. Head-to-head, I I watched this game, actually had a bet on Fulham in it, and it actually came good on the handicap. Uh, Men's City played, and they were down a goal, and they were down a man in that game, but City roared back to win 2-1 at the Etihad. 13 straight wins for City over Fulham. No losses in 19 against Fulham, and Fulham haven't picked up a clean sheet in their last 20 against Manchester City. So... I'm going to be looking at the total in this game, but for the Premier League and the title race, can Fulham do Arsenal a solid here and keep that title race alive by coming up up with a result against the Giants, the behemoth of Manchester City? I mean, I guess we don't like to think so, just to keep it interesting for a bit longer, but but I do think it's very unlikely. I mean, one surprising thing about Manchester City this season, they've only won one of their six away games against teams in the top half of the table. Um, might not expect that with how dominant they've generally been, but um, their only win against the top half side came at Arsenal. Uh, they drew at Newcastle and Villa. They lost at United, Tottenham, Liverpool. But I think if you if you sort of think about those games, I think they were all quite a long time ago now, and they've they've been in serious form um, these last couple of months, as we know. Simple fact is they've scored three or four goals in their last four games, and it's and it's hard not to think that they'll do something similar yeah. with the number of chances that the Fulham give up, as you pointed out. I think they've given up the most uh, big chances this season, or they're they're certainly near the top end of that table and can see quite a lot at home as well. I think with uh, with Fulham, um, we often say on this podcast, or you often say, you and Jake, you know, you take the over with Fulham. Um, you know, it normally pays out when they play a top half side. There's only been one instance where it hasn't. So, well, that's over 2.5 at least. A um, couple of things I like the look of City to win and over 2.5 goals. That's minus 125. Or just City over 2.5 goals for them to score three or more. That's plus 110. As we just said, they've scored three or more in the last four league games. And against a defence like Fulham, you'd have to think they'll they'll probably do that again. Sure. I, I, there was a stretch of the season where City kind of grinded out some away results, at least in terms of the score. I think the way the games played out were comfortable. It was like 1-0, 1-0. But right now, everyone's healthy, especially their attacking players. They can rotate. Holland comes off, Alvarez comes in. 
You know, like Bernardo comes out, Mares comes in. Phil Foden is is back and fit. Like there's competition in the side, and they're rounding out their, their form is rounded out not just for the Premier League, but they want to go in and win a Champions League as well. So I think the motivation and the depth is there to keep the goals coming in this in this side. And Phil can score as well. Like City still conceded that, that that late goal to Rob Holding. It's, they haven't really had an effect on the score, but they have conceded on a regular basis, kind of like Newcastle, controlling games, but conceding maybe that cheap goal late that brings the both teams to score and play and and and, and, and pushes up the total a little bit. I'm, I'm fine with just playing the total in this one, to be honest with you. Um, the goal total of three at minus 117, and let's take the over here. I love my Fulham over bets. City, they've been an oversight as of late, especially the history. I mean, full of no clean sheets against City in 20. They played to over the two and a half total in four or five as well. So let's go with over three at minus 117. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this game. It's Liverpool and Spurs from Anfield. Liverpool, they're rolling now. A 2-1 win over West Ham on the weekend, although there was that... Tiago handball incident, the penalty that wasn't given, but the 2.56 XG on the game, I, I think it reflects well on how well Liverpool have been playing, at least in terms of their attacking football. And they won away from home, go figure. And they won away after going down a goal in that game. Three straight wins overall for Liverpool, and they're undefeated in five. No clean sheets in four. They played to over the two and a half total of five of six. Both teams to score has played in five of six of their games as well. Just one loss at home all season long for Liverpool, and they have the third best expected goal differential at home at 21.6, according to InfoGoal. Spurs, they salvaged a 2-2 draw against Manchester United. They have it one in three, no clean sheet in seven, over two and a half has played in six of seven, and both teams to score has come through in seven of seven games. They are five, five, and six away from home. 25 goals scored, 31 against. That is the fifth most goals conceded away from home on the season. Ryan Mason trying to build off what was a much better second half performance last time out. Uh, Spurs did lose 2-1. To, to Liverpool earlier this season. It was a Mo Salah brace, a Harry Kane, a consolation goal for Spurs. Liverpool haven't lost to Spurs. This surprises me, Andrew. They haven't lost to Spurs in their last 11 games. Although Liverpool haven't come away with a clean sheet in five. The thing is, Spurs haven't had a clean sheet against Liverpool in 16. They played to over the two and a half total uh, in four of five, and both teams to score has played in five of five. Does Fortress Anfield do the trick again this weekend? Because Liverpool continue to be so good, a cut above playing at home. Uh, what do you make of this fixture? And did Spurs show you anything on thir- uh, on Thursday to show you that they have any life heading into this fixture? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I think I think it says everything about both these teams. We were just talking about Fulham and Man City and the you know chances City have and the chances Fulham give up. And the goal line for that was set at three. Well, it's at three point two five for this game. Over three point two five currently minus one hundred. I mean, because you've got two teams here with um, pretty good attacks, particularly in, in Liverpool's case, in generating chances, but who are quite weak um, defensively. So it's hard not to see there being being lots of goals in this one. Um, as you say, I mean, uh, Tottenham haven't beaten uh, Liverpool for quite some time, but I mean, they had the better chances in the reverse fixture. Liverpool did win 2-1, um, but Tottenham had four big chances to Liverpool's two that day. So 
not unrealistic they uh, they possibly could have won that one and they they provided a, a very stiff test for Liverpool uh, roughly this time last year it ended 1-1 at Anfield and uh, Tottenham possibly should have won that one as well obviously both teams have fallen away a little bit since then but um with Liverpool being at home I mean you'd have to you'd have to fancy them really I mean Spurs away form for the season as a whole hasn't been too bad but they haven't won any of their last five. And that's the one that includes a draw at Southampton, heavy losses at Leicester and obviously Newcastle last weekend. That's so very hard to make a case for, for Tottenham on the road with the form that they've been showing. I mean, you've mentioned that um, obviously how many um, goals and things they've been in the games between them. It's usually quite an entertaining fixture. I mean, both teams to score is minus 153. I mean, I think that's... Um, you know, probably a bit small to get on, but both teams to score Liverpool to win plus 200. Yeah, I think I could probably get on board with that. I think Liverpool should win with their with their home dominance, but you can never rely on them to to keep a clean sheet. Even at home, they, they usually give up a few chances. We saw last week, Nottingham Forest, five away goals all season, and then two in about 10 minutes at Anfield. So there's always a chance for, for opposition teams, but I think it has to be Liverpool to win uh, in some capacity because of their their home form and, and Tottenham struggles away from home. Yeah, I I don't disagree. With how good Liverpool have been at home, they can overrun teams. They might just suck the life completely out of the Spurs side and run away with this one. I like a couple plays here. Let's just keep it to the Liverpool goal total of over two and a half goals at plus 143. I mean, I just look at this Spurs team defensively, backup goalkeeper and Forrester. The back three was all over the shop again. This... If this if this team could concede five at, at at St James's Park, how many will it concede at Anfield here? Um, so over two and a half at plus one forty two. It's been a fixture full of goals and a fixture full of chances. And I, I just this Liverpool attack with 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 the big guns back in this team, Jota Diaz back in the mix. I just I, I can see Liverpool scoring goals, and that's the only that's the only thing that I'm really sure of here. So let's stick with the over the goal total. Is is, is that too much, two and a half for you to consider making a play, Andrew? I don't think so. With how Tottenham have been defending, I mean, three at Southampton, um, four conceded at Leicester, six at Newcastle. As you say, Liverpool's front line, um, you know, back in form, back fit. I mean, probably the first time this season that they've all been fit and available. You know, obviously. You know, a lot, there's a lot of talk of Darwin Nunes and how he's done this season. I think he's generally done okay, but I mean, he can't even get in the side at the yeah. moment with the options that the club has available. Obviously, Jota scored four goals in two games. Gakpo got one the other the other night. He never rule out Salah, obviously. Um, and then there's the set piece factor as well. Liverpool have been doing well with them, so. Yeah, a lot of options. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool scored three. Certainly. Yeah, I, I was tempted to play the over. I, I... There's a lot of overs I like this week, but at 3.25, maybe just a little bit too um, high in terms of what where the goal line stands. So I'll just stick with Liverpool. I could see it being a 3 Um We'll see. I, I just And Liverpool in this game, I mean, there's European football at stake here, not only keeping a potential push, late push for the Champions League alive, but certainly uh, the Europa League. And if Liverpool do beat Spurs, which I think they will uh, this weekend. They'll leapfrog over Spurs in the table with a game in hand. Um, Anything else on this one, Andrew? No, I I think we're in agreement. It should be a fairly routine day for for Liverpool. I say not not certain they'll keep a clean sheet, but I think they can score a few and, and get the win. 
I mean, I just want to defer to the Liverpool expert here and then and, and tap into your great wealth of knowledge. And I think we're both on similar pages when it comes to this game. Uh, let's go to the final match of our feature five. It's Arsenal and Chelsea. Now, before the season, you're thinking, oh, what a late season fixture. Now you're thinking, oh, dog's breakfast a little bit because Arsenal's coming off the 4-1 loss to Manchester City. They look deflated. They look down and out. Just a 0.62 XG in that game. Went away with a whimper and no wins in their last four for a team once considered a title contender. No clean sheet in seven for Arsenal. That's been a big problem with no Saliba, no party. Uh, they played to over the two and a half goal total in six of six. Both teams have, have scored in games that they played in seven of seven. Arsenal do have the second most points at home, 45 points at home uh, in total. Uh, but they're 13th in home goals conceded at 21. They started the season like a team that was you couldn't score against when you're playing at the Emirates, and that certainly isn't the case any longer. Cue Chelsea to come into the fray because they simply can't score anywhere. Coming off a 2-0 loss to Brentford, Frank Lampard, newsflash, not the solution, not the answer for Chelsea Football Club. They're winless in five in all competitions. Uh, no wins in their last eight overall, no clean sheet in their last five games, and they played to under two and a half and six of seven. I'm not sure about the formations he's playing, who he's playing, and where. It's been a little bit of a mystery. Four, four, and seven for Chelsea away from home. Just 13 away goals scored all season long, and their expected goal differential is a minus 1.8 away from home. Head-to-head, Arsenal won the fixture, the reverse fixture, 1-0. Chelsea only had 8.3 XG in that game. Three straight wins for Arsenal over Chelsea, and Chelsea no clean sheets in their last three, which is no surprise based upon that statistic. All right, so is this the fixture that gets Arsenal back on track? Um, it's it, it, Again, it's hard to back Chelsea here based upon the regression in play, the negative football, and the reluctance to play attacking players in this Chelsea side. It's just one of those just not knowing what to expect, other than expecting the worst when it comes to Chelsea, makes it very difficult to back them in this fixture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You you sort of feel like there's an interesting psychology almost to this match because the, the likelihood is that when this game kicks off, Arsenal will have gone down to second in the table because... We all expect Manchester City to beat Fulham. So it's kind of how do they respond to that? It's going to start to feel like the, the title's got away from them if it, if it hasn't already. And do they then really have anything to play for? But I mean, all that said, as you say, you still can't really put any faith in Chelsea. I mean, one win against the top half side, that was 2-0 at Aston Villa. And even then they lost on the XG. You know, they, they probably shouldn't have won the game on the balance of play. Their second bottom in the six-game form table was only three goals. I mean, I was looking at their last six games in all competitions. They scored against Brighton, even though they lost, they did score a goal. But there are other games in the last six. I mean, Brentford, 1.3 XG, didn't score. Real Madrid, 1.9. Madrid again, 1.1. Wolves, 1.0. Liverpool, 2.5. You know, they've sort of been generating around about a goal a game and they're just not converting their chances. But even if they score... At Arsenal, which is possible, as you say, Arsenal don't keep many clean sheets at home. I still feel that Arsenal, you know, will have too much for them. They, you know, they, yeah. they may have to accept that the title is gone, but they're still going to want to put on a show in front of their fans. And uh, I did see that Lampard was in charge of Chelsea when they won at Arsenal in 2019, but obviously that's a long time ago now. A lot of lot of things have changed then. It might be the 
the same two managers in the dugouts, but obviously they've sort of gone in different directions since back then when Chelsea was certainly the stronger of the two um, at that time. You said a minute ago, you know, lots of games you you uh, would expect the overs. I think this is another one. Um, minus uh, 118 for over 2.5. You know, I think that's that's probably going to Going to come in, Arsenal minus 0.75, um, I believe it's minus 120 on the handicap, something like that. I think Arsenal should win relatively easily, but you can't count on them for a, for a clean sheet at home, even against Chelsea, who rarely score against anybody. I think this could be a game where they do get one, perhaps. Yeah, I just, I just, I just can't wrap my head around Chelsea in the over. I, I just can't. I, despite the frailties at the back right now for Arsenal and how they've been conceding, I just, I can't go there. But I can back an Arsenal victory on the handicap at minus um, 0.75 at minus 120. I know you're not getting a lot of juice, but how can you back Chelsea in this game? Um, It's either that or no play for me uh, at all. But I think this this Arsenal team can win by a goal or two. Two nil. I mean, if if Chelsea can lose to Brentford two nil at home. Um, and, and lose to at Wolves 1-0 and just, it's been dreadful. Like he's not even playing attacking players in the side. My, my only hesitancy, and, and, and you might be right with the over if he decides to just say, well, forget about this super safe defensive approach where I'm not playing into the attacking players. We spent $300 million on in the, in the January window, like. You got to play some of these players, right? Like, show some bravery. You're mid-table. You're stuck there. You just wonder who else might jump over in the table. Does Crystal Palace jump over them in, them in the table? Do Wolves? Like, how low do they go here? It's 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 it's, it's just if I'm a Chelsea supporter, I, you just you're spinning your tires right now. You've gone from a really good manager to a good manager to now this. It's just. There's no rhyme or reason. So give me Arsenal at minus 0.75 at minus 120. Yeah, absolutely. And funny what you say there. I mean, it caught my eye. I mean, I don't think West Ham will finish above them, but they're only five points behind. I mean, it's not inconceivable. Chelsea could finish the season as the worst team of the London teams, which nobody would have predicted at the start of the season. I think there's obviously been a few things this season that the people wouldn't have predicted at the beginning, but... Chelsea being quite this poor has, has, I think, taken everybody by surprise, really. I mean, it seems so long ago they had Thomas Tuchel in charge and, um, you know, right, they didn't start the season that strongly, but, you, you know, you wouldn't have thought it would go the way that it has. So it's been a sort of remarkable season for them. I mean, yeah, they probably finished below Palace the way things are going and West Ham won't be far behind. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's hard to know where they turn. Obviously, you know, Pochettino rumoured to be taking over, but, um, and, you know, I think he could work well with, uh, with a sort of young squad of, some of these players they brought in, but there's just so much to sort out there. It's it's hard to know what they'll do sort of in the next 12 months or so. You can have good players, but you can not be a good team. And that's what it is. You need a proper preseason. Things need to be settled, straightened out. It's kind of like Manchester United at the end of last season. It was a nightmare under Wreck-It Ralph, and they come back a completely different side uh, this season. Uh, by the way, if you're a Chelsea supporter, you have an extra day to look forward to this one. Yikes. It's a Tuesday fixture from the... Uh, Emirates. Uh, let's move on to rapid fire. Brighton and Wolves. Brighton coming off a shock loss at Nottingham Forest. Maybe not shocking that they lost at Nottingham Forest. It's a difficult place to go, but how in conceding three goals in the process? And Wolves all of a sudden have won three of their last four games. Uh, what do you make of this game from the Amex? 
Yeah, it was surprising they lost at Nottingham Forest, but I guess there is, you know, as we say with hindsight, they would have uh, given a lot in that FA Cup semi-final against United. I think Wolves have improved a lot um, this season, but the, the, what a lot of that has come at home. You know, they've struggled on the road. They've only got one clean sheet in their last six matches away from home. Uh, Brighton have won the last two meetings and they scored three goals both times. So it wouldn't surprise me if there was something similar here. Um, you know, over 2.5 goals or, or combine that with a, with a Brighton win, something like that. But, um, you, you always have to be a little bit wary with Brighton. You know, people will know that they often, you know, dominate games at home and don't always get the win. But with Wolves' form on the road, you'd have to think that, uh, Brighton will be okay here. Yeah, I think so too. I'm actually going to, and this is almost sacrilegious, playing a Wolves game in the over because Brighton have scored three, you're right, in their last two games against Wolves. And overall in this fixture, they've gone over four in their last five games. So give me over 2.75 at even money. Um, it's it's worth the punt for me. Brighton playing at home, score goals. I think that Wolves are a little bit more comfortable right now in terms of where they are on the table. So I think you can see some goals in this game. Brentford and Nottingham Forest, both teams were struggling coming into their games midweek. Both came away with a victory. So which side continues that positive trend? I would think Brentford at home um, mentioned earlier, Nottingham Forest really struggled to score goals away from home. But I think they do have a chance possibly getting one here. Um, both teams to score was paid out in Brentford's last five at home and three of Forest's last four aways. They may not have scored many away from home, but they have come recently. So I think um, both teams to score at minus 103 might be worth a look in this one. But it, it, I think it's a tough one to call. I, you know, I'm not sort of so wedded to that. I think it, it might be a no play, but if I was to pick something, it would probably be that. Brentford's been a great home side to back on the season. The last couple times out hasn't worked out for them, but here... Uh, minus 0.75 at minus 122 for a home win over against the Nottingham Forest side, who is exceptionally poor away from home. I think there's some value there, even though there, you might not see that juice behind that number. But I think Brentford can roll away here with a comfortable win. Nottingham Forest, impressive win, not taking anything away from them, a home win against Brighton. But they're a completely different side playing at home than they are away. And Brentford hasn't lost in their last three uh, to Nottingham Forest overall as well. So backing Brentford to get back on track with the decisive home victory. Bournemouth and Leeds United. Oh, this is such a big game at the bottom of the table. Bournemouth just about safe. Leeds United, anything but. Uh, what do you make of this fixture? Are you backing a side in this one? Well, it's interesting. If you look at the expected goal data, then then it suggests that backing Leeds is a is a value play for this one. And and Bournemouth have been better away from home than they have been in front of their own fans. But all that said, I'm I'm not sure I could get on Leeds, even if the the numbers are telling me to with the with the way they've been playing recently. And and the thing with Bournemouth as well, they they seem to let me down. Whenever I think they're gonna <laughs> there's going to be over the goals, there isn't, and and sort of vice versa. They're they're quite a hard team to predict. They you know, deserve a lot of credit for how well they've done this season. Because I don't think anyone thought they would would stay up, and they're they're almost certainly going to now. I think, but yeah, it's a really tough one to call this. I don't think I'd be I'd be putting a play on this. My my heart sort of says Bournemouth will probably win, but they were three one up in the reverse fixture before Leeds came back to win four three. So I think they they I think probably Bournemouth, but I'm I'm not sort of uh, strong enough on it to to put my money where my mouth is. I just whenever I see Leeds now, it's like it's an overplay. So over two point seven five at plus one oh three, a plus number here. I know that it's a shade higher than two point five, but Leeds hasn't had a clean sheet in ten. 
They played to over the two and a half total in seven of eight. The only time they did it was midweek against Leicester City. And we've already kind of documented how shocking it was that it actually stayed in under. And both teams have scored as played in eight of eight for Leeds. And head to head, both teams to score has played in four or five and over the two and a half total in four and five between Bournemouth and Leeds. So look, Bournemouth just needs a, a point. You know, a win certainly would see them secure safety. Um, they're on 36 points. I think they do it this weekend. And I do think that they do it in a game that features lots of goals. I prefer the over to the result. I don't mind. I wouldn't discourage a Bournemouth win at plus 160 because I think leads are that bad. Um, so either or, but let's let's stick with the total because I'm more confident in that. Um, Newcastle and Southampton, a tale of two sides, isn't it? Newcastle, seven wins in their last eight. Southampton, no wins in eight and no clean sheets in seven. It's going to be a very difficult trip north for Southampton. But is there a play to make in this game? Another one where it's a little bit difficult to call. Um, I'm obviously confident that Newcastle will win. No real issue there. They won 4-1 at Southampton earlier in the season. But when you look at their um, home games against the teams in the bottom half of the table, there's not usually very many goals. They've played... Um, under 2.5 against all of the bottom seven. It's only paid out over 2.5 once against the bottom 11. But I, I sort of feel with the form Newcastle are in, they should win by more than that. But um, they, they haven't been doing that in this sort of fixture. Um, I think, you know, Southampton have a terrible record there. They did get a draw a couple of years ago with a 96-minute penalty. But otherwise, their last other five of the last six they've lost. And all of those games featured at least three goals and an average of 3.7. So I was thinking maybe Newcastle to win and over 2.5 goals. But it's just their record in these games against the the, the struggling sides. They actually don't do as well. So, um, yeah, not quite sure where to land on that one. But I, but I think Newcastle and over 2.5. I agree. They played in the EFL Cup. Like, I just, this might be Southampton's last stand. Like, I didn't play Newcastle at Goodison Park. I kicked myself after. I might be kicking myself again here. I'm tempted to play another over, but I'm just going to go with no play at all. Um, the spread is a goal and a half in this game. I, I don't even know what side I want to back, to be honest with you. I think that Newcastle wins this, but mm-hmm. do, do they go away running? Is this the last stand for Southampton? We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm not going to touch this one. And finally, it's Monday night football and another big one at the bottom of the table, Leicester City and Everton. You win, you're out of the relegation zone. You lose, you're right in the middle of it. So where do you go for this one? Everton, not on very good form whatsoever. Leicester City have shown some signs from time to time, but really nothing that resembles any type of consistency. So where do you go here? Yeah, I think you have to probably back Leicester of the two. I mean, We've spoken before, Everton, very few away wins. I think it's three since the start of last season. You know, some of their performances have been a little bit better than that. You know, you look at the numbers, they probably deserve to win at Forest. They were worth their point at Palace last time out on the road. Decent performance at Chelsea, although the XG was in Chelsea's favour. But as we've said, it usually is and it doesn't really mean anything. Um, but obviously they, they took a battering, um, last night as we record this by, by Newcastle. And it's going to be hard for them to get any confidence back from that. And it's just hard to see Everton scoring. I mean, they scored from a set piece last night. 
but they don't score many. You know, um, I, I sort of tweeted about it partially in jest as a Liverpool fan, of course. But when Anthony Gordon came on for Newcastle, I mean, he's still Everton's third top scorer in the league this season. Wow. And he's coming off the bench against them, having left in January. And he only got three goals. I mean, that, that says everything for their, their, for their problems. Where are the goals going to come from? I mean, the, the, the XG suggests this is the most likely draw of this game week. Um, and it could be that, you know, in trying to sort of nullify Leicester, you just end up in a bit of a stalemate. Um, you know, Sean Dyche pulls his, uh, sort of tactical master plan that then that could be the outcome. But, um, it's, it's one where I'm really not sure where to go again. I, I do think Leicester will probably have enough. Um, but I also quite like both teams to score no plus 104 because neither team's been in great form in front of goal and nil-nil wouldn't surprise me. So that might be the play, but um, I think it's quite hard to call. It's, I think it's a must-watch game. I think it's fascinating yes. to see what happens, but I'm not sure it's going to be high in quality. I'm not sure it's going to be high in goals. See, I, I'm going to go the exact opposite. I'm going to go both teams to score at minus 121 because Leicester City just simply concede poor goals like really silly goals i think everton you you ask how everton scores in this game set pieces against everson and this shaky back line at times that doesn't look convincing Leeds should have had more than just the goal that they scored against them midweek i think that that's where everton are most effective it's going to be you know a daichian type performance they're going to have to dig in and play but based upon the way that leicester city attacks I, and the amateur defending that we saw against Newcastle at times on the, I, I, I just don't think that that Everton keep, can keep the ball at the back of the net either. So I think you're right. It could end in a, could end one, one, but I see both teams scoring in this game. And I quite like the both teams to score a play at minus 121. The juice is on the no side, but the mistakes that both these teams make from a defensive perspective, it's worth the punt for me. Minus 121, both teams to score. Have I convinced you? To come to the dark side or the goal <laughs> side, it would make the game much more watchable on Monday night. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's true. I think it's it's that thing of um, which is going to take precedent. Is it the slightly poor attacks or the very poor defenses? You know, wh- which is going to dominate? I guess um, I certainly wouldn't rule out both teams scoring for that reason. But um, yeah, I think I'm anticipating it being quite tight, quite tense. Maybe just one goal in it, something like that. But um, as I say, I, I'm not going to miss the game. I think it's going to be very interesting. But uh, yeah, tough one to call. All right. So that's the board this week. Ten more games to be played. Only three on Saturday. A big schedule on Sunday. Monday night football. And a Tuesday night fixture as well. Anything to add on that, Andrew? Are we done and dusted and off to watch football this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. It just sort of feels strange that the weekend games are over four days when we've just had a midweek with three days. It's sort of uh, just sort of coming through constantly games every day at the moment, which is obviously great for everyone, really. But it, it makes it hard to sort of preview everything and know what's going to happen because all of all these quick, tight turnarounds and stuff like that. So it wouldn't surprise me if there were some surprise results this weekend or over into Tuesday, as we say. But um, yeah, I think, as I said at the start, I think Leicester Everton is, is arguably the game of the week, you know, maybe not for the the neutral, but so much riding on that more than probably any other game. So it's, it's a huge one on Monday night. 
Yeah, we appreciate you sticking with us in terms of EPL Insights and the Pinnacle Podcast team. Uh, we love doing this. It's been a quick turnaround, but we're happy to break it all down for you whenever we can. I think it's a weekend of goals, Andrew. Lots of goals. I have lots of overplays, and let's hope that we're seeing the ball end up in the back of the net so we all have a very happy and profitable weekend. You can follow him at base tuned to red myself at Gareth Wheeler. Uh, the odds are accurate at the time of recording. And as always, please gamble responsibly. We'll do it all again next week, Andrew. Thank you so much. Shout out to Jake enjoying fatherhood as well. And thank to you, the listener, the viewer for tuning in. I am Gareth Wheeler. This has been EPL insights for game week 34 with data provided by InfoGoal.